Welcome to the Valley Point Podcast in the series called Love Works Well. The big idea for this talk is love can work at work, and it's based on a story of humility found in John chapter 13. Enjoy and thanks for listening. Well, I'm having an extraordinary hair day, aren't I? Thought I would do something to kind of fit the vibe of this series, and so here we are. All you need is love, right? Actually, if I grew my hair out, it would probably look like this naturally, and so I thought I'd just share the pain and walk out with this wig on. So really grateful that you're here at Valley Point Church today as we wrap up this four-week series called Love Works Well. And I must say, I have had a lot more fun with this series than what I thought. I really have. And I didn't think it was going to be a bad series. I just thought we'd teach a few things and then we'd move on and it would be fine. But the topics that we've covered as we have thought through how we can make love work in our marriages and with the people that we hate even and in our homes as we parent... I've just had some wonderful conversations with many of you, and it's impacted me. I hope it's impacted you as well. And you have been inspired to think about how God has something to say. I mean, God himself, through his word, he has something to say to us about how we can have thriving, dynamic, living relationships that benefit all of us if we allow love to work well. And we've been defining love as giving someone my time and my friendship no matter what. And when we do that, even if we don't want to, and even if we struggle a little bit with that person, when we give love that way, it can work. As a matter of fact, it can work well. So all you need is love. Love works well. I'm done with the wig, all right? There we go. See, I told you it's about the same when I take it off. So today... I want to wrap up this whole experience by thinking about how love can work at work. And that's actually our big idea for today. Love can work at work. What I want to do this morning is kind of narrow the conversation a little bit and talk to leaders. And I know in doing that, I might not be talking to everybody in the room. And you might be thinking, you know what, I'm not a leader I don't have to be responsible for a lot of people. Nobody really comes to me to get anything at all. I'm just doing what I do. So maybe this conversation isn't for me. I want you to hang in there because I actually think it is. And here's why. At work, you have responsibilities. There are things that you are required to do. And so I want you to think about your work for a moment. Some of you are responsible to sell. Maybe you're responsible to manage. Maybe you're responsible for the finances, or you're responsible for customer service, or you're responsible for creativity, or you're responsible for teaching, or you're responsible for whatever it might be. At work, you are responsible for something. And with that responsibility comes a level of leadership that you have to engage in. Now, again, that might involve leading hundreds of people, or maybe it's just leading one or two. But if you have responsibility at work, 
You're there to lead or manage or open or close a store or deal with the finances or a customer service or whatever it might be. If you have responsibility, then there is leadership that comes with it. Now, you might not have the weight of the whole organization on your shoulders, and you're probably thankful for that and not necessarily looking for that. But again, if you work, you have responsibility, and with that, there is a level of leadership. Or maybe you lead at home, and that's just what your day looks like, and you're constantly making decisions about your kids and about finances and how the home is going to function and how you're going to manage that organization. Or maybe you lead as a volunteer. Listen, we have hundreds of volunteers here at Valley Point Church, and we ask them to lead We want that, we like that, and we need that if we're going to be successful as a faith community. We need volunteers who will lead. So if you work or if you lead as a volunteer, there's responsibility there. There's also a level of leadership that is very important. And so what I want you to do is we walk through this. So I want you just to think about your situation, your work. And again, whether that's paid work or volunteer work or work at home, whatever that looks like for you, you just think about yourself as we walk through this. And what does that responsibility look like? That involves leadership. And then you just take some of the thoughts that I'm going to share and the story that we're going to unpack from John chapter 13 in just a moment. And then grab some takeaways and you use that however you can, wherever you can. All right? So you just pull some stuff and you use that in your work environment, all right? That's what I want you to do. Now, before we jump into John 13, I want to say that I believe that there is somewhat of a crisis in leadership, meaning there are people that are probably in your world. They're either a leader for you or a boss, and in your mind, you're saying, I really don't want to follow them. And if I didn't have to, I would not follow this individual anywhere. I just wouldn't do it because they're not worthy of following. I just would not do it if I didn't have to. But maybe there's some responsibility there, and so you know you've got to follow that person, but you wish that you didn't have to. Or you look at other leaders that you don't necessarily have to follow or be responsible to, and you just recognize, I wouldn't follow them either. They're just not worth it. They don't have leadership. And so I think what happens in terms of leadership is that leaders in general tend to stand on one of two platforms. I want to talk about these two platforms, and then what I want to do is kind of introduce a third one that is a whole lot better. So two kind of platforms for leadership. There is fear-based or power-hungry. Those tend to be the two platforms that leaders stand on. Let's talk about the fear-based platform, meaning I'm the leader I'm the boss, and I am over you, and I'm not really going to have any type of good relationship with you because I don't care about that. I'm not even interested in developing and growing you. As a matter of fact, all I really want to do is hit you over the head with my big leader hammer so that we can produce, and we can accomplish, and we can get things done, and you walk around in fear of this leader and what they might do to you if you don't follow through on absolutely everything. And it's frustrating, but you're there, and that's just the way it works. That's fear-based leadership, and nobody really likes that. The second platform is power-hungry. And these are the individuals, 
and they are all about the next thing and getting to the next level and they are power hungry and they will step all over everyone and everything in order to get there. They're building their own lives and their own career. They're all about power and the next role and whatever it takes to get there. Those are really the two platforms, fear-based and power-hungry. Both platforms are very, very dangerous and can cause a lot of harm as we think about our work world. I've talked with a lot of individuals about work, and it's not unusual to hear people say, you know what, I've got this boss, or I have this leader, and wow, Wow, it's just rough. It is really tough being with them. And I wish I could get out and I could do something different, but that's just not going to work out right now. I've got to suck it up and I've got to go for it. But I hate every single work day because I've got to be with this person. I hear that conversation all of the time. Ever worked for someone who's only interested in their own advancement and promotion? That's all they're interested in, and they're not there to develop you or grow you or lead you. It's all about their own personal advancement. Have you ever worked for somebody like that? Have you ever worked for somebody who knows it all? Right, and they kind of put arms out like that, and you come through with a solution for a system or a better way to manage or a better way to serve customers or whatever your work world might look like. You come up with just a better way, and they kind of do this. They push you back because they already know it all, and they're not interested in hearing from you. Ever worked for someone who just makes you feel bad all of the time? Ever work for someone who only seems to care about the bottom line? While we might not be able to change those above us, and that's the danger of this conversation, by the way. We want to change those above us, and maybe we want to even send the link of this podcast to them and say, listen to this, please. I want to beg of you, don't do that, all right? Because it's not going to help you, and it's not going to help them, because you really can't change the people above you. The only person you can change is you. And when you begin to change you, well, now all of a sudden you build loyalty into your organization. The organization gets better. And I believe in that moment and in that lane, you bring personal success to yourself. So what we want to talk about today is not the person really who's irritating us. We're going to talk about us as workers, as people who have responsibility. And again, with that responsibility, there's a level of leadership so we can influence in our own unique way. And when we do that with the people around us that we're responsible for, we bring health to an organization and I think we bring personal success to ourselves. Uniquely, God has something to say about this very specific thing. Right? God has something to say in his word about leadership and about work and dealing with challenges around us. And we're going to look at just a fantastic story in John chapter 13. And so if you have your Bible, I would encourage you to turn there or you can scan the QR code in your program and that'll bring up a note section for you. That will also include the scripture. John 13 will also appear on the screen in just a moment. And I'd encourage you to take out your program. 
find something to write with and take some notes because I want to be very practical today and think about how love can work at work. So you just jot down stuff and take whatever it is that will help you be a little more effective, right? Because if we can just get a little bit better, we help our organizations grow and we bring personal success to ourselves. So that's what today is really all about, letting love work at work because that can happen. So John chapter 13. Before we read, I want to give you a little context of what's happening here. Jesus is about to celebrate a special meal with his close followers, the individuals that he's been living with and mentoring and really teaching, and he's about to really hand over to them the responsibility of building the early church. That's going to be their role. That's going to be their job, their responsibility. There's going to be some leadership with that. So that is about to happen. Before Jesus steps into this meal, he has some things that he wants to share with them. They're going to celebrate the Passover meal, very special meal to Jewish people. The Passover is a celebration of their emancipation from slavery in Egypt. Really big meal and a very important celebration. I recently got to be with some friends who celebrated a Passover meal in their home. And Tanya and I got to go and be a part of this Passover celebration. And I loved it. It was a great meal. There's all kinds of history and tradition with everything that you eat. And there's a reason why you eat this and why it tastes this way. And it all goes back to their years of slavery in Egypt. But now we're free and so we're going to celebrate the Passover. And that's what Jesus is about to do here. He's going to step into this room with his close followers and his friends, and he's going to have a great meal, and they're going to celebrate the fact that they are free. Before they do that, though, Jesus does something that is absolutely shocking, just has never been done before in this context. Isn't this one of the things we love about Jesus, by the way? He is just forever doing things that shock people, like really? Jesus, we had no idea. Like, I'm not so sure about that. Do you really want to do that? And Jesus is like, yeah, it's time to do this, and I'm going to lead the way. And that's what happens here. He does something that's very different and very shocking. And so let's read about this. John chapter 13, here's what verse 1 says. Before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his Father. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. It was time for supper, and the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. So what we find here is that Jesus enters the room, and there is a weight on him that cannot be described. Jesus knows what's coming. He knows he's about to go out and pay the price for the sins of the world. No small task. Kind of a big thing here. And the pressure of that is weighing in on him. And he knows after that he will ascend to heaven and he will leave the responsibility of building the early church to these disciples, these followers, these friends that he's been spending so much time with. And so he's preparing to step into this Passover celebration and these individuals are going to be there and it's his last opportunity to really kind of give them some instruction. I thought about this because it's kind of unique. You would think 
if Jesus were just an amazing leader, he would do one of a few different things here. He would get that group together and say, look, I'm going to die, and then I'm going to rise again. I'm going to go back to heaven, and everything's on you. So here is the business plan and the team charter for you. And I've got it in this great little binder, and I'm going to give it to you, and you just start with page one and make your way all the way through this, and you're going to know how to build the church. So here's the business model and the team chart. It's all right here. And it's from me, so it's inspired, right? I mean, this is going to be a wonderful thing. You do that. Or he could have given them millions of dollars to say it costs a lot of money to build churches and to put in water and sewer lines. (laughs) It's just a lot of money and a lot of headache. And so I'm going to give you millions of dollars. You'll have everything that you need to build every church anywhere. So here's money, because money helps. Or he could have said, I've got some political leaders that I'm going to bring into the room, and we're going to have a great meal with them. We're going to celebrate. And then you're going to get to know these political leaders because they're going to give you every connection you need in order to be very successful in building the church. So I want you to meet these individuals, these leaders. Or Jesus could have said, here is a hand-delivered, slick, marketing plan to build the church. And we've got direct mail pieces and we've got all kinds of stuff and we're going to blitz Jerusalem and everybody will know about this church beginning and it will be wonderful and everybody will come and here's the slick marketing plan. This is how you're going to do the church. And that's kind of what leaders do. They put business plans together and team charters and they introduce you to other key leaders and they find avenues of cash And they also provide marketing plans. This is what leaders do. But this isn't what Jesus spent his time doing at all. Here comes the shocking part. Here's what he does instead. Verse 3. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything and that he had come from God and would return to God. So he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around him. It doesn't exactly sound like a leader kind of thing to do. If you've got one last opportunity to talk to people and say, I'm going to be gone, here's the plan. It doesn't really sound like a leader thing. He got down on his hands and his knees and he began to wash their feet. A very shocking act in this culture. They would wash feet as they would come into a home, but in this culture, that was left and that was reserved for the lowest-ranking individual in that particular home or in that event. And everybody got that. Everybody knew that. It wasn't up for question. That wasn't up for debate. Everybody knew we're coming in. we got to wash our feet in order to eat here. And who's the lowest-ranking person here? It was generally a child or might have even been a servant or possibly even a slave in the home. And everybody knew it. Everybody got it. That's the way it worked. Nobody questioned that. Nobody doubted that. It's the way it was. That just made sense. So all of a sudden, you've got Jesus doing something very counterculture here and really paving the way for how we can function with other people and how we should lead. Again, think about responsibility, leadership. The big thing that Jesus is doing here is presenting a whole new way of leading people. Jesus, he's God with flesh on him. 
Not the lowest ranking person in the home by any means. And yet here he is doing the dirtiest work in this particular organization. It's quite a phenomenal thing. In this culture, they walked around on dusty roads. They didn't have pavement and stuff like what we have. So as they traveled, they would walk around with their little sandals, and their feet would get nasty and dirty, and it would be filled with all kinds of junk from the road, like donkey poop, and God knows what else was out there. And they would come into a home, and it'd be time to eat. Now, they didn't sit at tables like what we sit at. Their tables sat a little lower to the ground. And so when you would sit down, your feet would be a little closer to the food. And the person sitting next to you, their feet would be a little closer to your food as well. Now, feet are nasty, all right? Even if you decorate them and paint them and have them sanded down and blasted, feet are nasty. Now, throw in some dirt and some donkey poop, and it's just a really bad scene. And somebody's got to clean this up. That was part of what they did. And so here's Jesus doing the dirtiest work in the organization. The highest ranking official he's got with flesh on. And yet here he is doing something that really nobody else wanted to do. It's quite phenomenal. Verse 12. After washing their feet, he put on his robe again and he sat down and he asked, Do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and these are titles of authority. You are right, because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. I tell you the truth, slaves are not greater than their master, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Now that you know these things... God will bless you for doing them. God will bless you for doing them. So instead of a business plan, instead of a team charter, instead of millions of dollars, instead of important officials, instead of a slick marketing plan, Jesus said, here's the last thing I want to leave with you. This is what I want you to know as you have responsibility and then lead. This is like the greatest thing that you can do. Wash feet. I mean, get down on the ground and just get dirty and wash nasty feet and be a very humble leader and just know that God will bless you for doing this. Really an amazing thing that happens here and a great example for all of us who lead. Now, I want to share three different takeaways. And again, I want to encourage you just to take some notes on this and jot some things in because... I think you'll find this helpful as you approach work tomorrow or wherever it is that you are leading. Three takeaways. Number one, based on what we find in John chapter 13, the example of Jesus, loving well at work means that I treat people with love no matter how they feel about me. You know, just to be honest and real, we all get and we all understand there are people that probably don't appreciate us and don't like us. Well, what we discover in John chapter 13 is that loving well at work, and this was Jesus' work, loving well at work means that I care about people and I love, I give them my time and my friendship no matter what, especially no matter how they feel about me, even if they don't like me. This is what I do. This is the right thing. I want you to think about something, because there's a great dynamic that's happening here in John chapter 13. In the room is a guy 
named Judas. He's there. And Jesus knows that Judas is going to go out and turn Jesus over, and that will eventually lead to his death. Jesus knows that Judas really hasn't been with him the whole time. Nobody gets it. He knows this. And yet, he does the incredible, humble thing of washing even the feet of Judas. It happens. Now, I wonder what would happen in our workplaces. I wonder what would happen in our organizations, in our offices, in our schools, in our homes, if we actually embraced this kind of attitude and we started washing the feet of people that we know have a problem with us. Washing feet means all kinds of different things. We're serving them. We're doing maybe the lowest job in the organization for somebody else. I wonder what would happen in our work world if we kind of embraced that attitude. I don't know about you, but I think I know what I would have done in that situation. I might have washed some feet. I'm not so sure about that. But when it comes to Judas, are you kidding me? You'd take that water full of donkey poop and dirt and everything, and you would pour it on his head, and you would say, have a nice day, because I'm all done with you. That's what I would do. And I know some of you, and I think you'd probably do the same thing. Jesus introduces something entirely different here as we think about our leading and our working, and that is loving well at work means that I treat people with love no matter how they feel about me. That's just the choice I'm going to make. Secondly, loving well at work means that I can still maximize profits and value relationships. It's not either or, it's both and. Often we think it's either or. Like I can't really be that kind. And these are the conversations with people I have in the business world all the time. I can't be that kind. I can't let people walk all over me or there will be no profit at the end of the day. And there has to be profit. So I either have to choose to maximize profits or I'm going to value relationships, but I can't do both. And I think what we discover in John chapter 13 and what's really happening is that it's not either or, it's both and. I was reading recently from an author and a business leader by the name of Joel Manby of Hershend Entertainment. And he actually says it this way. Profit doesn't motivate most of the frontline people essential to an organization's day-to-day success. Enduring and successful companies are more ideologically driven and less purely profit-focused. And that's why loving well at work can both value the relationship and maximize a profit. And if we really began to serve this way, and if we loved well at work, I think we could begin to see both things happen. Takeaway number three. Loving well at work is a higher testament to true leadership acumen. But it's hard. It's hard. It's just easier to hit numbers. Sometimes it's easier just to yell at somebody and not truly take time to develop them. It's easier to ignore the person who annoys because maybe you don't have to deal with them anyway. They affect you a little bit, but yeah, they can be over there and you can ignore them. It's easier to avoid that person who has it out for you. But easier doesn't build trust in an organization. Easier doesn't allow you to attract people to your office or to your business who can help grow it and take it to a new level. Easier doesn't grow people into what they can 
potentially become. Easier doesn't make it possible for you to sleep better at night. Easier often isn't easier. It's just not. And leading with love is tough work. It's tough because it involves washing feet and it involves humility, a new way of doing things. But this is what Jesus gave to us. Let me ask you this question. You should think about your work environment and your world and for the people that you lead. As you spend time with them, as you interact with them on a day-to-day basis, would you say you're making their day better or worse? Just think about that for you right now. People that you come into contact with, the people that you lead, are you making their day better or are you making it worse? When you enter into their office or you spend time at their cubicle or you go to their workspace, whatever that might look like, even if you have to have a difficult conversation because that has to happen, even if you have to challenge, even if you have to correct, would you say that you're making that person's day better or are you making it worse? And that really all depends on your approach and your attitude. And are we going to do the John 13 thing and put on a towel and wash the feet of others and do it in a humble way that builds trust within our organizations leading to greater success. Now, I understand that there are exceptions to all of this stuff. And maybe you're listening to this and saying, you know what? My work environment is so toxic and so sideways and so upside down that this stuff would never work. I could never do this because the people above me and the people next to me and the people below me are an absolute disaster. This isn't going to work. I can't do it. It's not going to happen. Here's what I would encourage you to do. As best as you can, right? Because you can only improve yourself. You can only grow yourself. You can only develop yourself. Set appropriate boundaries in that situation and seek the right kind of help. All right, set boundaries and seek the right kind of help. And it's possible that that situation might turn around. And God gets it. God sees, God knows. And I believe he's planted you there because he might just want to use you to turn that situation around. So do the John 13 thing. I found something, and I don't know who the author is, and so I can't give credit, but I want to read this to you because I think it, just sums up everything that we've been talking about today and how love can work at work. This is possible if we embrace a different kind of attitude. So here's what it says. At work, we serve. We serve the users of products and services that we and our companies produce and sell. But what about the people working alongside us? What about the people with whom we spend so much time? Our bosses, our teams, our peers, our rivals, our friends... What about those who inspire and teach us or who frustrate and annoy us? Well, each one was designed and built by our creator God. Each was found worthy of the great sacrifice of our king, Jesus Christ. And each was put into our lives for a reason. So our responsibility is clear. And there's that word responsibility. We have responsibility at work. And with that responsibility comes some leadership. So our responsibility is clear. We must love and serve and lead and influence all the people with whom we work. There's some really powerful words found in the book of Colossians that speak of adding different things to our lives, like 
put this on and wear this and do this. And I want to read it to you in closing because it just captures the idea of love can work at work. So here's Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14. Here's the command. Here's what God says. You, worker, you leader, you influencer, as you think about your work world, dress in the wardrobe God picked out for you. And here's how you dress for success. Compassion, kindness, humility, quiet strength, discipline, be even-tempered, content with second place. How about that? Quick to forgive an offense. Forgive as quickly and completely as the master forgave you. And regardless of what else you put on, wear love. And love is giving someone your time and friendship no matter what. So all of these other things are valuable. It's how you dress for success. But regardless of anything else that you wear or anything else that you put on, put on love. And here's why I think we find that in the book of Colossians. Because love works well. It works well. And it can work at work. It really can. Father, we're so thankful for a few moments today just to consider what you say in your word about something that most of us have to deal with on a daily basis. It just consumes hours of our time. And that is our work. We go, we do things, we make decisions, we communicate, we open, we close, we finance, we teach, we do whatever it is that you've given us to do. And God, I think you have uniquely placed each and every one of us right in our workplaces. Not because that's where we necessarily wanted to be, but it's because you wanted us there to have impact in that particular area or that particular workspace or that company or that organization. God, you want us to be letting love work well in every area of our lives. And that includes work. God, we've talked about marriage and how it needs to work there. And we've talked about letting love work with those really tough individuals that we might even say we hate. God, we've talked about how we need to let love work at home. And as we parent, it can work. God, we're here today as we wrap up the series to say, we want love to work at work. And this is a tough area we probably all have people in our workplace that just kind of annoy us and bug us or don't want to be led or people above us that lead from the platform of fear-based or power-hungry. God, I pray that you'd help us as best as we can in our area of responsibility to do something a little bit different. We've looked at an amazing story about how Jesus had one last chance to talk shop, to talk business with his followers. And he didn't do all of the normal things we would expect from a leader getting ready to step away. What he does is he just gets down on his hands and his knees and he does the lowest work that can be found in that particular organization. And in doing that, he created a thirst and a desire in those followers to go out and to do the same. And God, those individuals changed the world. That's what they did. They started the church, and the church is still going, still strong. We're still here. 
So God, while we might think that we can't do a lot or we're really not leading a lot of people, if we were to just do this in our small little way, God, I think you'll take our heart and our attitude and you'll begin to change our area of work. You'll begin to change that company, bring success into it. Relationships will be valued and profits can be maximized. God, that'll be a wonderful thing. And we'll bring success to ourselves in the process. So God, help us to get it right. Help us to do what you did, the greatest leader of all time. Help us to follow in your footsteps and let love work well. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thanks for listening. We'd also love to have you join us on any Sunday morning at the Garnet Valley Middle School at 9.15 or 11 a.m.